Hello and welcome to the Lean the Line podcast. Chris here, I hope you're keeping well and staying safe. And we are back once again to review, well, the final weekend of the SWPL2 season as the promotion race hurtled towards its conclusion. And of course, I'm not doing it alone. I'm joined by my good friend and buddy, Campbell Finlayson. Campbell, how are you doing? I'm fine, Chris. I'm kind of busy and forgetting I've got things coming up, but we're here. It's been a good weekend. And I will get a... A couple of podcasts to record, so we better get started because of the small matter of Spain Italy tonight. So here we are. Yeah, we, we are doing two podcast records tonight. So you're going to get a podcast about the conclusion of SWPL2, and then we're going to do an awards podcast, again, a mashup between the SWF awards and some awards we've just made up on the spot. So um, that'll come later in the week, but let's focus on SWPL2 and on Sunday. And obviously, it was a conclusion of the, the SWPL2 season, which meant it was a conclusion of the SWPL season, finally after what feels like 4,000 months, uh, we got we got to the end point of it. And we both headed to New Douglas Park because that was a venue where Hamilton actually had the opportunity to secure promotion with victory over Kilmarnock. If they had slipped up though, Dundee United are part of this, so could have obviously t- snatched that spot with a victory in their game up in uh, Dundee. I was going to say Perth and that's not right at all, up in Dundee. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, Campbell, I think coming into this, when we talked about it last week, we were... We thought Hamilton would, would get the job done. We thought Kilmarnock would give him give him a tough game. But I think the, the big nerve setter for Hamilton was getting that early goal, going one nil up inside the first four minutes. Um, I think theoretically it should have been I, but as Hamilton himself said to us kind of afterwards, it didn't really materialise that way. It was a like kill of the mood. It was kind of disappointed with both teams, I think, on Sunday. Kelly made it tough for, for Aki, as they have done, but kind of just lacked lacked anything themselves really going forward that we've seen in previous weeks, whereas Aki's got the only goal and you're thinking, right, maybe that'll settle them. But again, they did seem really nervous to also get the two fairly quick goals. Um, the second half to kill it off, but uh, it was a perfect start for them. Bit of luck, obviously, with the deflection for Rachel Ross's shot, but Joseph Zia took the ball well and finished it well. So it was the perfect start for Hamilton. And maybe not as comfortable as they would have liked, but they got the job done and congratulations to them for, for the promotion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you're you're totally right because I think during that entire first half, I kept turning around to you and saying, "Well, come on, make score here. Come on, I can go to score here." It didn't happen. Um, Hamilton had a couple of chances. Kelly had a couple of chances. Um, I think it was Abby Robinson had a shot well saved by by Sarah Rind. But um, yeah, you're right. It, it did kind of. You thought that early goal would settle everything and. You know what, now, now you've said it out loud and that's maybe what I was thinking as well. I was just quite excited with talking talking about football. Um, it was it was a bit of a disjointed first half after that goal. But going into half time, obviously 1-0 up. At that point, it was still 0-0 between Dundee United and Path at Thistle. So it, it kind of, it wasn't poised. Hamilton were still very much in control, but winning the game would have guaranteed promotion. It certainly had it that way. But Dundee United managed to, to grab a goal uh, and then Hamilton went 2-0 up and I felt like a similar goal, Campbell, in terms of the way it was put away by Josie Giard, who has been a, a very, very good signing for Hamilton this season. She has been. Um, I think it was just difficult when we were kind of getting updates coming from, from Dundee and going back up there as well, that when United had scored, any hope they had was kind of killed right away because Hamilton obviously went and got that second. I mean, from a Kelly point of view, as I go, they were really disappointed to concede in that they're chasing an attack themselves and then one long punt up upfield from, from Sarah Rind, as you said there. And then Josie has clean French took the to the ball and the finish again very well, very similar to the first goal. But it was sloppy from Kamarnit's point of view. But that second goal was the one that just you really thought, right, that's Aki's kind of they've got their, they've settled their nerves now, as late as it was into the game. But 
they needed that second goal because as you'd kept saying, come on, we're going to score and obviously didn't, but they were they were still making things hard for Hamilton, especially at the start of that second half where Kelly were the team kind of on the attack a wee bit more. So it was an important goal and another big one for Josie, obviously, who's obviously then climbed right up the scoring charts in that second half of the season as well. No, absolutely. It, it definitely felt like that. The second goal for Aki's kind of came a little bit against the run of play, but it also came at exactly the right time for them in terms of Cameron and Ayers, and then they scored a, th- a third quite quickly through George McTeer. Um, and I think by that point, everything kind of calmed down a little bit, kind of petered out going in towards the end of the game. I think everybody kind of knew what had happened. By that point, Partick Thistle had equalised, Dunyany and Dunyany got back ahead um, to go to one up to... See who to see who finished third place, but Cam McBeauty would go on to score. It looks like two direct corners from from the highlights, Cam, but it's quite quite hard to tell. Um, but yeah, the, the two-two drop in Dundee, married with a three-nil win for Aki's means that Hamilton are the team that are getting promoted along with Aberdeen into SWPL one. And um it was it maybe didn't quite quite hit the peak that we maybe hoped it would do in terms of the final day battle for second place. But we had we had a bit of drama for a little while at least. I think it was always inevitable that with it, well the chat about what was needed to needing to go the other team's way up in Dundee that they were both going to draw. So when this was on that goal stuff, his time was kind of like, well, I think we knew that was coming. Um, Aberdeen obviously got their third goal, and you mentioned the two Thistle goals coming straight for corners. The Aki's goal was almost very similar, except this time it was a bit more crowded in the box. I think it was George McTeer that actually got a touch to sort of clip the back post and then obviously fell away, and it's it's a clever finish with the toe poke there, but. Um, I mean that third goal killed off any hope for the other teams and then after the third the game just kind of continued the same way where no much really was happening and then we just knew by that point that it was, it was Aki's that were obviously going up and just a case of waiting for the celebrations which were a wee bit premature with some of the, the champagne being being, um, being opened before they get the final whistle but Hamilton I think deservedly over the last few weeks on their, their form for, for the most part especially in the big games They've picked up their results and needed it. This they've not been at their best this season. I think potentially they've played better in previous season. Gary Doctor said similar, where in previous years they've looked a better side, but have just not quite come out there. And this year again, especially from the start of the year, they weren't great. But those three wins against United, Thistle, and Aberdeen just in the last few weeks have been important for them. And obviously here they are now going up with going up with Aberdeen, who themselves have been very, very comfortable at the top of the league. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll talk about Dundee United and part of this one in a wee second, but for now, let's hear from Gary Doctor, from club captain Megan Quinn and assistant Robert Watson, or Bobby Watson, depending, depending on your notion, um, after the uh, Hamilton Aki Seal promotion. And this is what they had to say. There's a lot of scenes. It gets a bit loud at the end, just as a FYI. But um, here you go. Gary, didn't quite make it last season. <laughs> Made it this season. How's it feel? Yeah, uh, I feel a bit more relief at the moment. It's been kind of hanging over my head this last week and a half, um, how close we've gotten. And yeah, you're right, it is two and a half years in the making. We came close in 19, um, and then it's been just a long 18 months to try and get back. And it's been players coming and going at different times. Um, it's been a real, real challenge for us. But um, yeah, getting over the line now, it's a huge sense of, of achievement because it's a hard season. Dundee United and Partick, you know, really have been brilliant as well all season and everybody's pushing each other to, to for that group of four to push away and I think um, that's spurred the, the, the players on this last month. It's in their hands and they delivered. Do you look back at that run of fixtures against Aberdeen, Dundee United, the Park of this one coming out that on top is the, the thing that tipped in your balance? Uh, I looked at it with dread after we lost here against St Johnston um, but it was always in our hands and I think I said spoke to you that day and I said well it's still in our hands um, and I had this 
feeling at times that we've got players that deliver in big matches. Um, over my time as a coach, we've had that a few times, and I think it was just another example of that. I knew the players could get up for those games, they need, just needed to translate that a little bit today. Last week, I think we were just ran out of, ran out of gas. We've started to have a lot of injury problems in the team and, uh, and lack of options in a couple of positions, really. But um, just getting over the line, that was the most important thing. You've, uh, you've obviously been with Aki for a while, one of the stalwarts. What does it mean to you kind of to come back up again? It means absolutely everything. Honestly, this club means absolutely world to me. They're, look, look at them. <laughs> They're just brilliant. Um, listen, we deserve to be in that league and we've worked hard to get there, so I'm just delighted we're there now. So. And you're looking forward to next season already? Can't wait. I'm just delighted for the players and, you know, it's just, it's just been such a monumental effort to get the eight games in five weeks. It's been tough on everyone and I'm just so pleased for them. And um, you mentioned it's been eight games in five weeks. I mean, the season's just around the corner already. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we've got, you know, whatever happened, we had we were having ten days off. Uh, so, ten days off and then we're straight back to it. And, you know, we, we'll go again. We're looking forward to being back in the division we feel we should be in. Thank having finished in the top two the last two years in SWPL2 and to be fair Dundee United and Patrick Thistle I think us, us three in Aberdeen have pulled away from everyone else and you know you know that we're the ones that have prevailed and we won those three games when, when we absolutely had to when it's come down to the crunch we've done it and that's the difference and that's that's why we've gone up. <laughs> So yeah, Campbell, um, Hamilton promoted to SWPL1, how, how, it's hard to tell, but I mean at the same time it's hard to tell because you never quite know how a new season's going to pan out and how teams are going to line up, but at the same time, given how quick SWPL1 season's going to come around, um, we, there's not going to be much of a break in women's football this summer, um, how do you think Hamilton will do? I think they'll do well, I think both the teams going up will, will, um, will certainly add to that bottom end of the table where obviously this season that was... I just got a two-way battle for large parts and then fourth kind of dropped into it and we saw signs of improvement for Hearts and Motherwell and I think Hamilton and Aberdeen have potentially got stronger squads obviously these teams are adding to it Motherwell new manager and things in as well but Aberdeen and Hamilton I think have got players that are certainly SWPL1 quality and I fancy them to do pretty well I think you're maybe not going to be challenged at the top end of course you've got the teams up there that are Clearly, that level above everyone else, but they'll certainly fit into that sort of group. And we'll let them hopefully be challenging the likes of Spartans and even Hibs if they can. Um, of course, staying up will be their first priority, but I fancy both promoted sides to do that fairly comfortable, if I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, um, and again, congratulations to Hamilton Akis and Aberdeen. And Aberdeen received their, their trophy, the new SWPL2 trophy, which is a mini version of the SWPL1 trophy, but I think is a, it still looks a lot nicer than the, the trophy that was. A bit generic that uh, Hearts got uh, two seasons ago. So, yeah, I think that looks quite cool. Um, Aberdeen were hosting Birmingham Thistle. The game was streamed live on YouTube with Rob McLean and Mark Gordon commentary. Uh, bit of a, we were, I kind of had the game up as we were watching the game at, at New Douglas Park and Birmingham going 1-0 up was unexpected. Then Aberdeen equalising was a little bit expected. But then Birmingham going 2-1 up was was unexpected, but eventually a 4-2 victory for, for Aberdeen. Um, looked like it was a pretty, I mean, some... Some interesting goals, very end of season goals. There's a polite way of putting it. Um, I think the, the goal uh, the goal that Burnhamier had as an opener was reciprocated by the Burnhamier defence to Aberdeen um, when the, the equaliser went in. But 4 2 victory for Aberdeen, the end of season with another victory, winning 16 out of 18 games, best team in the division, and they get the trophy. And they were also playing at uh, Balmoral Park, home of Cove Rangers, which will be the new venue for their SWPL and fixtures. And 
I uh, never got a chance to get up to Glacorro Mac Park, but I'm not sad that they've moved from there looking at <laughs> looking at some of the conditions that they had to play in during the season. No, Glacorro Mac Park was obviously the training ground of things. It's, it's not great to watch games of football in these stadiums. We've seen a lot of them in SWPL too, but um, the model will certainly be a good improvement. But in the weather didn't look too kind up there from, from the highlights and the game also we saw a bit on Sunday as well where we'd had all these thunderstorms down here and then turned up and spent a day in the lovely sun in Hamilton until post-match. But what is up north and it looked too great. And as you said, Borum, you're taking the lead was one we didn't expect. It's a good finish, but it's, it's poor goalkeeping and then Aberdeen's go pretty much the same. Um, it was that kind of way. I think Aberdeen, were, they knew they'd won everything. They didn't really have anything to play for. And it was just sort of that way of we can take the foot off the gas a wee bit and then suddenly it 2-1 down thought no, we better go and win this game um, but no again fair play to Aberdeen they've been best side in the league quite considerably and as you say you win 16 out of 18 games is remarkable when their only two defeats were against teams again that have been challenging for those promotion spots so they'll do well next year I fancy Aberdeen as well a couple of a couple of new um, a new additions as well you would fancy by the start of the season and then going with that side that have played with each other for so many years, that are playing with each other again at international level as well, I think Aberdeen will be a real good addition to the top flight next season. No, I do too as well. Um, it was interesting, I was listening to, I think it was Kelly Forrest speaking after the game and she was talking about the the older generation and the younger generation actually, those bus rides that they've been going up and down, um, obviously to play the games and most, of, I think we've talked about already, is like most of the, the teams in SWPR are central belt based bar, kind of St. Johnson, Forford, Dundee United, that kind of area of the of the country, um, and how that's kind of helped them bond. And I think it will be interesting to see what Aberdeen do and if they do um, complement their squad in terms of that, that young talent. I think everybody's very excited to see how they cope at taking another step up because it's worth remembering this is two successive promotions for Aberdeen as well. And that two successive promotions as champions uh, to add another layer to that. So it's very interesting to see how that, that squad of players progress uh, going into going into next season in three weeks' time or four weeks' time or whatever it is. Um, five weeks' time. Thank you, Campbell. Uh, but yeah, looking at it in five weeks' time. Uh, what it does mean, though, that is that Dundee United and Partitas, who played out that 2-2 draw, um, were the, the two of the four sides that kind of broken away. And I think that was something that I think all the sides had talked about this season. Uh, even Aberdeen, who had obviously ended up winning the league by 10 points, had talked about that, that top four being almost like a mini-league uh, this season. And Dundee United Park Thistle um, finishing, Park Thistle third, Dundee United fourth. They'll be disappointed, obviously, not to go up. But it does mean that next season, obviously, with no relegation from SLPL1, they should be viewed as two of the favourites for, for promotion going into the next season. I think they will be. I mean, the thing, especially to keep their, their squads together. I know a few additions obviously planned them um, coming in for both sides, you would imagine, as well. And um, the fact they've drawn twice with each other, I think, kind of told you they were very, very similarly matched across the whole season. And ultimately, it's defeats to the two sides that have, have beaten them to promotion that, are, that probably have cost them over the season. Both sides tended to do fairly well um, against sides below them. United had that run in the middle of the season there where they went so many games unbeaten. Um, and obviously, at the end, I think injuries and COVID and things began to cost them. Whereas this one, really unlucky. It was just obviously kind of going up to Aberdeen where they could have got something there, could have made a big difference. But unfortunately, obviously, come back down the road with nothing there and we're kind of having to chase things right to the end. And it just was to be for them. I mean, they would have had a lot of hope in the first half of the season when Hamilton were kind of were underperforming. I think even then, though, it was, it was clear Aberdeen were going to, were going to run away with things. But Aki's come back strong. Um, and then just some drop points here and there from Thistle United have obviously cost them over the over the course of the season. But I fancy those two to be up the top end of the table when there's 
Yeah, of course, there's some other sides are going to improve. We've seen we've seen improvements as well after the restart from the likes of Kilmarnock, who hope they have um, hope they have a, a chase for the top plate as well. But Dundee United and Aberdeen certainly at the minute will be will be your favourites for next year. But a lot can change, obviously, in the next next five weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's always a fluid situation in women's football in Scotland, so you never quite know what's going to happen next sometimes. But uh, yeah, I think if you're looking at it just now, part of this done the favourites. I think teams underneath, like St. Johnson, um, who finished fifth after a 5-2 victory over Sutherland University, Kamarnock and Glasgow women who defeated Queen's Park 3-2, will be looking as to next season as a as an opportunity, because it will only be an eight-team league because there isn't this promotion coming from the Championship, because the Championship's been shut down for so long now. Um, so it will be a flip with 10-team top league and an 18 bottom tier. Um, but I think when you look at the, the rest of the table, I mean, I don't I don't know how to... When I look at the table, I don't... Nothing majorly surprises me. I'm a bit surprised at Southern University, University finished so far bottom, but obviously they picked up towards the back end of the season as kind of players started to come back. But it's not a table that kind of... I look at it and go, nah, that's... It's it's wild, if that makes sense. No, I'd agree with you. I mean, we said that the way home on Sunday that um, there was no change from, from last week to this week with the table and it kind of always, always felt like that was the way of things where Aberdeen were, were better than the rest there. Hamilton, United and Thistle were, were always fairly, uh, fairly equally matched. Obviously, Hamilton got some players in that maybe in previous seasons they wouldn't have done, but it, the players that were certainly at big names and coming in on loan and, and other signings that have helped them. Um to just pit themselves ahead of the other two. Uh, and then kind of below that, Glasgow women had put in free fall at the end of the season. Don't really know what happened to them. Whereas Coman at the opposite and kind of brought themselves up. Johnson were just that bit more consistent across the level of the season. But again, have all finished fairly close to each other. And then it's been tough for the likes of Queen's Park, Boromir and Stirling, obviously down further below that, where they're playing against some sides who've got a lot more experience in their teams there. Um, and then again, working with small squads, it's, it's not easy for them, we get that, but there was definitely signs from, especially Boromir and Sterling, um, that they'll be able, to, be able to improve on for next season, and we'll see how they go, and hopefully the league will be as competitive again uh, next year as it was this year. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it will be, I think it will be. Um, on Boromir, actually something I wanted to, to talk about when we were talking about Aberdeen, there was two things I liked from that game outside of the, the football um, the first one was the, the Anna Blanchard and Jenna Penman cardboard cutouts that Aberdeen had uh, brought in for the title celebrations. So that was a, a really nice touch for players that have obviously aren't been able to be uh, part of the squad celebrations. And then um, the cake <laughs> appeared. So for anybody who didn't see this, basically Burnham asked if there would be cake at the, for the title celebration and Aberdeen duly obliged. Um, so I thought, do you know what? See at the end of a a season that has gone on forever, that has been so tough for everybody, whether it's be player, coaches, officials, the people that make the club go, the people that hold the temperature guns, to have that little, little bliss of sunshine between two clubs, I thought was, do you know what, it was good, wholesome content to Campbell, and I like good, wholesome content. It was something different, um, obviously the, 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 the 90s chat about the travel up there as well was, was um, it was good to see that they've, they've paid attention to these things and Aberdeen and I said that maybe we've got a bit of stick from the media point of view this season where Mark has kind of left there doing the stuff himself and it's coming through the women's the men's Twitter account sorry when you're kind of thinking right what's going on There's, the updates kind of got lost but no fair play to them for that there I hope they enjoyed the cake hope it was nice so if they're listening can anyone tell us was it just a plain sponge and was it nice because it looked it from the outside very good question there was no cut there was no cut view so <laughs> I, in my head, it was a plain sponge with like jam, maybe jam and buttercream. 
fill in. But um, yeah, please, please tell us. Um, that'd be cool. But yeah, I thought I thought it was a, a, a lovely thing to see uh, a season that has had, and this is a bit of a, a, a roundup section, shall we say, of the SWPL2 season before we get onto some other slugs that have happened in women's football this week. A season that has been particularly challenging for SWPL2 sides. That, that run of games that they've had to squeeze into that five-week period, the fact that sometimes they've struggled to get players together, sometimes they've struggled to get pitches, sometimes they've struggled to get goalkeepers into their team. Um, it, it was just a nice way to round it off. And obviously Aberdeen and Hamilton will be delighted to go up and the teams that didn't quite make it will be disappointed. But I uh, I am a, a man of hope. I like to call myself... I used, I used the term positivity panda on something the other day and I can't remember where it came from and I don't want it to stick, but it, it keeps coming into my head now. And uh, I really hope that kind of next season with hopefully touch with things getting back to normal a bit more that all these teams get the opportunity to push on and they are supported not just by the people that support them already, but by wider teams. And I think you've seen that with the likes of Parth Thistle in particular, really putting the weight behind it in terms of getting the, getting the team's names out there. Yeah, you have to, and teams have been good at it. Um, Thistle, obviously, we've picked it there and we'll do later on. I kind of, they have been the best for it. Um, but again, things that you mentioned, Borabu and Aberdeen, obviously, as well with the cake. Um, Bobby Watson providing us with crisps and water on Sunday was also good. We need more of that, please, folks. Um, but I, other than that, it's, it's good to see that these teams are they're trying to kind of build these things up. And mainly, as from our point of view, we're trying to get kind of highlights and things out for us to see. It's it's not always easy for reporting on here, but like we said at the weekend, the official have been fantastic for it. And, Hopefully we'll see kind of more of that again over the next couple of years because it's it's been tough obviously trying to help kind of get the game grow, but it's going in the right direction and hopefully it stays that way for as I say for the next couple of years coming. Absolutely. So let's let's leave it there before we go down any more holes. But um yeah, so that's SW2 SWPL2 season wrapped up. Aberdeen and Hamilton going up. No teams coming down, as is the nature of the, the season this season, and no teams coming up. Um, again, as is the nature of the season. So um, yeah, let's move on from that and let's go back to the SWPL1 because there's a couple of things have happened. I think pretty big things have happened since we last talked. Uh, we'll talk about the Champions League in a wee moment. But I think the biggest piece of news to happen, it literally happened the day after we recorded the podcast and I did a, I did a piece for the website about it. Uh, Scott Booth has left Glasgow City to take over the job at Birmingham City. Six years in charge, six titles, two Scottish Cups, uh, Women's Champions League quarterfinal, I, I was caught a little bit in the hope when this this the this email dropped into my mailbox uh, last week. I have to say, Campbell. I mean, it's it's been a question that we've kind of asked all of us in the last few years. Like, where else can Scott Booth go in Glasgow City? Is he was it ever a case of would he then move on to maybe a men's job here? Would he stay with City? Would he move elsewhere? We're not really sure. So, Birmingham was one that was maybe kind of not not what we were expecting. Um, obviously, they're a big club down there. They've had a lot of trouble, and especially this season with the players not get paid and what have you so it's it's a big job for Scott but it's one that I'm sure he'd like to go down there to challenge himself obviously it's a it's been it's been tough especially this season um with the pressure that City have got there trying to win the league every year and obviously this year with Celtic Rangers making things so much harder for them it's it was a good a good way for him to for the end of City tenure and I think maybe that might have played a part and that he's thinking we have done it it's now that's 14 in a row and we've obviously got there with a bigger challenge kind of that now go and get a bigger personal challenge and perhaps that's what will happen at Birmingham so good luck to him doing the end it'll be interesting to see how he, how he changes going from a team that, that is expected to be at the top of the league to one that's kind of fighting down the other end of the table down the WSL Yeah absolutely totally, I, I totally agree with the, the best luck wishes for him as well but it is a, 
it's a completely different challenge. And I think I think you're right. I think I, the more I thought about it, the more that this felt like maybe this could be the time if he got an opportunity. Because realistically, what what can he top now at, at Glasgow City? The Champions League, which we'll talk about in a wee second. There ain't going to be any Scottish teams in the last year of the Champions League anytime soon. And um, in terms of the title race, he's maybe got he's got that one where he put aside the two big challengers that people were expecting to overthrow him this season. So what, what happens next season if he doesn't do it? And Birmingham City is an established women's football team. I mean, I had a couple of folk who I know are Birmingham City women's fans kind of come and ask me questions about it. And I said, I think he's maybe underrated in terms of how you can develop players. We've talked about Lauren Davidson and Aoife Kovo as two players who have really come on this season, who started it either maybe a bit out of, out of the picture or who were very raw, but it seemed to have been refined a little bit in the Scott. And also the fact that Glasgow City has had a really strong scouting network, um, as has been evidenced by the players that came in in December. It'll be interesting to see that that comes out Birmingham City. But at the same time, you do worry a little bit because I saw Hannah Hampton is obviously away. Um, she's moved on. I think there's another couple of players that have gone to Aston Villa as well. So he's got a big, big rebuilding job to do there. But he's also got players that we know. Christy Murray's it's obviously down at Birmingham City just now still as well at the moment. So I'm sure it's definitely a challenge. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. I wish him all the best. And I mean, City haven't stopped in that regard. They have continued their recruitment and they obviously brought in Agatha Philippa from uh, Braga and they've now also brought in Claire Welsh from Piedmont United. She played against them in the, the Champions League last season. Second player they've signed from Piedmont and if she's as good as Nee Farrelly turned out, it'll be a very good signing for City. It will be. I mean, I'm not sure if you've run City's radar before that game or not, but obviously it was picked out kind of there. Um, in the game, and as you say, Neve Farley's come in and has been a really good addition to, to that city side. Um, and what was already a strong team, but these additions have, have certainly helped them this season. Well, obviously, the strengthening at the other two sides that I mentioned as well. So, I've been to see how you get so on. It's not a player I know too much about, only really seen her from, from the P Mount games and a wee bit of Ireland. But I've been interested to see how she gets on. And I mean, if, as you say, if it's, if it's any as good, anywhere as good as City's previous recruitment um, and the signings are brought in, then I'm sure she'll be a very good addition to their side. What, what do you think is going to happen next to City? A couple of people asked me who, who I think is going to come in. And I was thinking about it. I, I couldn't think of anybody in the Scottish game at the moment who'd be coming in. And, part, and then I started thinking, well, they have got this kind of this network out there now in kind of the wider world. And I'm starting to think that it might be somebody from abroad, but I'd, I am generally throwing darts at a deflatable dartboard at the moment. I don't, I don't know what the, what the script is. What, what's your instinct on it just now? I'm only sure to be honest. I mean, there's there's not that many names that you can that jump out to you there right away. I mean, it's hard enough trying to find a manager at the minute for the national job. So without then thinking of for City as well, it's it doesn't make it easier for anyone. And the people that will maybe will look at both of those jobs as one that they'd like to get. Um, potentially, I mean, the recruitment, as you see, a lot of it has come from abroad in previous years. Well, recently, especially this year. Sorry. Whether has that been through Scott Booth or has that been through the club that we don't know? So it'll be interesting to see where they go. And if they do take it down a different route like that, then I'm quite intrigued to see how that would work out because I think it's something that, that could certainly be good for the game. Also, you look at Fran Alonso's come in at Celtic and it's certainly a character and has obviously done a very good job with them. So I'd be, I'm quite kind of I am interested to see what City do and how they can move on from this going into next season. Yeah, me too. I mean, I saw a couple of people mention Leanne Ross is obviously been involved in the Scotland national team set up a little bit. I know she's been involved in some of the coaching at City as well, but that's the only real name I've seen talked about and like with the Scotland national team job and we won't talk about that because hopefully that's that's getting solved soon. But 
I, I kind of knew where to look, and I don't, I don't really know where you look for a Glasgow City manager, if, if I'm being totally honest. So, yeah, I'm, I am excited to see who they, they bring up, because whoever it is, it's going to be, it's going to be a surprise. So that's, that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, there has been one other kind of, kind of big piece of kind of transfer news uh, in the SWPL, which happened today, day of recording, which was very nice and timely. And that's Jean Ross has come back up to Scotland to sign for Rangers. Um, she had obviously left Manchester United at the end of her contract. Second top goal scorer for the women's national team, Campbell. She's an experienced striker. I think one of the things that Rangers struggled with is not creating chances last season, but putting them in the back of the net. Obviously, that was not helped by Kirsty Howitt and Megan Bell's injuries, but bringing in a player like Jane Ross, it, it, that can only be a good move for, for Rangers and for the SWPL as well, to have a player with that kind of prestige and legacy behind her. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Rangers have made a couple of signs like that, obviously, in, in previous years, bringing players up and They've got plenty in, in those kind of attack areas, obviously. We've broken Hayes, one we've mentioned quite a lot this season, then Lizzie Arnott, Jane Ross again there, obviously, and uh, Zoe Ness, and then the two that you mentioned that are out. So, I mean, scoring goals shouldn't be a problem for Rangers, and sometimes this season it was. Um, but no, it's definitely a good sign, just see, obviously, he's done it um, at the national level, and we've seen it in pre- the last couple of seasons as well down at sort of West Ham and uh, Manchester United. Even there, were maybe not always guaranteed a starter. She was always still getting the goals for these sides as well. So, it's definitely a good sign for Rangers, then they'll be wanting to push on next year because they did start this year really well and kind of fizzled the way out a wee bit and disappointed to miss out on, on European football altogether. But I'm sure they'll be back next year and, and fighting for that, that those spots again. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, she's not the only kind of national team player floating about at the moment. Uh, Martha Thomas, I don't think, has picked up a club yet. Same with Hannah Godfrey. Um, I know neither of those two have kind of got a history of playing in Scotland, but certainly something to keep a wee eye on is, uh, is the transfer window is now open and his squad's take shape and hopefully get put out of squad list at some point before the season starts. But um, yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a good bit of business and it's a, biz- a bad business to go- cause a lot of noise on social media around today. So um, yeah, can only help the profile league for sure. But you mentioned Europe, so let's talk about Europe now and then we'll, we'll wrap this pod up. But uh, yeah, we had the, the Champions League draw last Friday. Um, Glasgow City obviously down the Champions path and Celtic down the league path. Um, so I'm not going to explain it in too much depth. I think it's more straightforward than people are giving it credit for. I think it's just, it takes a long time to explain it. But essentially, Glasgow City have been drawn to a group with uh, two unseated sides who they are playing in their first game, uh, Burkakara from Malta. And if they win that game, they play either B.I.K. Kazigert or Slovan Bratislava. Both of them they've played in the past with mixed results. Um, those two those two ties produce two winners. The two winners then play each other in a final and they go through to the next knockout stage. Don't get to the group stage yet for that. Uh, the next knockout stage um, to, to get into the second round. The benefit for Glasgow City, I think, is probably twofold. One, I think they've had a pretty kind draw when you consider some of the teams they could have got that were looking in there, like Juventus, for example, in 20, um, were very much possibilities for Glasgow City as the other seeded team. And secondly, Glasgow City have uh, managed to land as hosts, so they will avoid any unnecessary trip to Kazakhstan. Well, Kazakhstan which is because we've got play. Um, so I think Glasgow City will feel quietly confident that they could get out of that group. Um, well, I mean, Burkhard Carr, obviously, I don't know much about the women's side. I mean, although the men's team put hearts out a few years ago and that was one that was seen as a real shot, especially with the level of football, obviously, across there where... City should be winning that, especially as one of the seeded teams and sort of how they've got on in the last couple of years in Europe as well. But the home the home aspect, I think, is going to be pretty crucial for them. We talked about this the other day and that 
travel kind of it has an effect in the past. I mean, they've been they obviously went to Moscow, um, they played Chertanovo, won out there, and then come back and beat Celtic and um, kind of close days in the last couple of years. Um, so it's that's certainly a, ha- a help for them. And you'd fans that we get through that first game, and it probably is likely to be Kazakh that'll be playing. So, but they're not a, they're not an easy side to face. We've seen them do well in Europe against bigger sides in City in previous years as well. So. You have the hope that City will get through it, but I don't think it'll be as easy as maybe we're going to make out. No, and I mean, I think the other thing that worth bearing in mind is against Piemont United, uh, it, was a, it was a struggle. They had to, had to get through in penalties in that game. But I think it was a very different situation at City as it is now. But they're still coming into a bit of a transition phase with obviously a new coach coming in. It looks like there's going to be a return around the players. Obviously, Zanetta Vines has gone out to West Ham as well. Um, so it could be a couple more more players are on their way out. But yeah, I mean, Burkakara, they played them back in 2013-14, 1-9-0 in the qualifying round group. So I think the expectation is they should they should get by them quite comfortably, even even with the development of women's football across across the land, closing some of those gaps. But yeah, I think the, the, the last tie, they defeated Slovan Bratislava 4-0 back in 2010-11. But Kazigar, yeah, that's the one that the most likely will play in as you've said, they have played some big sides and big games such as such as City have, and they played each other back in three years ago, I think it was now, um, where Glasgow City went out 4-4 on away goals. Um, so, yeah, a kind of draw, but it still isn't going to be an easy easy task for Glasgow City, but it could have been significantly worse. I think that's probably fair to say. Yeah, I mean, they'll be happy enough with the draw, but like you say, again, with a kind of change in managers and things, it's, it's not a great time to be granted, especially with these European games coming up so soon. But they'll be confident, and I mean, City as favourites and should probably go through, but it's, it's not going to be easy for them. And they'll know, regardless of who the manager is at the time, that they're going to be in for a fight if it is Kazakh to come through. And of course, if they can get past Burkhard Karen in the first place, but be the two shaded sides, they're definitely the favourites to do so. Absolutely. Um, and then we go to the league path, which follows exactly the same format. It's just that teams that weren't champions finished second or third in their leagues. And Celtic have been drawn against Levante. And the other tie in their group is Rosenberg against... I've had a break. We've literally just talked about this two seconds ago. FC Minsk. Minsk. There we go, yeah. FC Minsk, yeah. <laughs> Rosenberg against FC Minsk. Uh, Levante's a pretty pretty tough, tough... I mean, I think Celtic were... Pretty much guaranteed to get a tough game, but that's that's one of the toughest ones they could have got. Finished third again this season, two seasons on the bounce. They have just changed their manager though, and they have just lost one of their key midfielders to Real Madrid. But even then, it's a big challenge for Celtic to play Levante. All their games are getting played in in Trondheim in Norway as well, home of Rosenberg. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough for Celtic. Um, Levante, as we've mentioned there, have, have kind of been the side that was almost best of the rest in Spain for a while, with, with Barcelona and Atletico being the top two at the time, and then. Atleti this season have fallen right away. Obviously finished fourth and Real Madrid suddenly putting the money into their women's side and some Sweden internationals there as well and some decent, decent players in that team to take up the second. But again, Levante have, have held their own there and obviously finished above Atletico this season, which is a step up for them, certainly. Um, it's not going to be easy for Celtic, of course it's not. Fran Alonso will know Levante well, um, being from Spain himself. And he'll certainly he'll enjoy the trip um, to face a scene from his own country. But... The fact it's a neutral venue for both could perhaps help Celtic slightly. I don't know how much these teams really find playing at a neutral venue any different or not, but it's not It's not an easy draw for Celtic, of course it's not, but they'll go into it and obviously it's their first time in Europe for the women's side. They'll be very pleased to be there and hope they give a good account of themselves because they've, they've certainly got a good side there that we've obviously seen. We've seen that in um, SWPO1 this season and 
we will see some new additions as well before then. So I wish Celtic all the best in that one, but like you say, it'll be very, very tough against a good Levante side. Yeah, absolutely. And then playing Rosenberg or FC Minsk in the next phase doesn't. It's not. It's not much that much easier. FC Minsk have gone deep into the the Champions League recently as well. So, yeah, tough draw for Celtic, but I think everybody knew that going in. So, very much pulling for the Scottish sides. Scottish sides doing well helps coefficient means more teams can get in there. Tap into that sweet, sweet Euro, European Champions League dollar, which everybody keeps talking about. But nah, we'll see how much Scottish Scottish teams get over it. Um, obviously, the other thing with Champions League is uh, the zone announcing that they're going to show hundreds of games live on YouTube as well. So keep your eye out for that. That was pretty cool. I got quite hyped by their promo video. So, yeah, have a wee watch at that too. But, yeah, that rounds up this podcast for just now. So, Campbell, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to me. I no worries. And uh, thank you very much for listening. We will save our long goodbyes for the awards podcast. We're about to go and record right now, and that will be out later on this week. But for now, stay safe, and we'll speak again soon.